Coming up on Chasing the Natty, Nate and I are back together and we're here to bring you everything you need to know from week five as a CFF player. We'll discuss everything from the most impactful games to whether the freakout is warranted over some of the top running backs. And as always, we have a fresh crop of waiver wire pickups for you guys this week. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Daddy podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning or Tuesday morning. You guys eventually get around to this whenever you get around to it. Again, really appreciate you guys tuning in. We are finishing up week five. Uh, Just a couple hours ago, Florida versus Eastern Washington finished up here on Sunday. So pretty much we should be seeing the fallout from week five in terms of... uh, in terms of all of the substitutions that have to be made this week. Uh, there's definitely some players that there's going to be, I think, a little bit of controversy over whether they did indeed play a snap or not. We'll see about that moving forward. Uh, but as always, I have my co-host here, Mr. Nate Marquise. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing I'm doing great, Jared. Uh, it's great to be back on with you, talking some some waiver wire pickups here. Um it's been a it's been a nice little day spending some time with my, with my family out at a uh, apple festival north of Kansas City here. So, yeah, man, um, I'm I'm ready to roll. Yeah, and, and again, I cannot thank you enough, uh, you and Brandon, last week for taking on uh, hosting the show while I just kind of sat in the background and just clicked some buttons <sighs> for you guys. That was that yeah. was a lot of fun. It was good. It was good for my voice to have a break because that that those couple of days, man, I was I was losing my voice pretty quickly. So. We had a good time with it. It was it was definitely interesting being in the other seat, uh, being the one that kind of directs traffic and, and keeps the keeps the show moving along. So I, I meant to tell uh, you, I did get a couple of DMs from people saying that you did a really good job as like the actual host of oh, the nice. show. So again, like people <laughs> people, deal, people noticed, man. You did a good you did you did a great job. Brandon was awesome as always. Even so, right we on. got we got a lot to get to here, guys. We got a pretty loaded show. As I mentioned there at the very top, we're gonna talk uh, some. We're going to talk about some freakout players. We got three running backs here. I really want to discuss today in terms of how we should value them. We got a couple of like we're going to briefly go over some injury news and everything like that. Again, the unfortunate thing about college football is that we know a lot of these guys are injured. We just don't know what it is and how long they're going to be out. So we're just going to throw some a lot of names out that got injured this past weekend, and we'll just let you know what little information we do know about it. And then, as always, we will get to the waiver wires. But first things first, let's just talk about the games this past weekend. Um, in terms of our teams, uh, Nate, neither one of us really had a great time yesterday. Uh, one of us got a win, so at least yeah. that's something. But, like, uh, you want me to go first or you want to go first? Yeah, you guys were the victors at least, so you had something to take away from it. Why don't we go ahead and talk talk about the dogs first here? I that was quite a game yesterday. I there are so many things I could point to that like I want to see fixed on the dogs. 
namely the O-line. The O-line has a lot of issues right now because I think the offensive coordinator, I think right now is so concerned about like us putting out certain guys, rotating certain guys in, and that just kind of letting the defense know what kind of play we're going to run. So I think he's trying to put like fit some square pegs and some round holes in order to try to disguise what kind of play we're going to run. And it really came to bite his back. Oh, by the way, I should I should say this before I get too far into it, because apparently, according to some people, <coughs> K and Cats, um, I don't give the underdogs enough credit here. And, and yeah, hats off to Mizzou. They, they, they played an incredible game. They did everything they were supposed to do. Georgia had two bad turnovers early on in the game. They took advantage of that. Uh, they, they played their hearts out. Uh, they're freaking kicker, man. Uh, dude, dude was on fire yesterday. Hit several 50-yard field goals. I don't think he... He could have shot one from 50 or from 70, dude, and I don't think he would have missed. He was just that on fire yesterday. Hats off to him because he had a terrible, terrible ending in the in the Auburn game the week before. So I'm glad he could rebound a little bit this week. Uh, hats off to them. They played a hell of a game. Uh, but really, I'm not taking anything away from Mizzou or their performance when I say the Dogs, once again, did not play up to their standard. And quite frankly, there's some things that need to be figured out here. And I'm hoping that coming up in Auburn, we got Auburn at home this week. Hopefully we get back to what we were doing before to South Carolina and Oregon. And we have less of what was going on against Kent State and Mizzou. That's pretty much all I'll say about that. Yeah, I'll give you a perspective of what it looks like here locally. Because obviously we're two hours away from Columbia, Missouri. So there's a lot of Missouri fans in this area. There's a lot of people that can't stand some Missouri fans also in this area because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of Jayhawks and a lot of uh, K-State Wildcat people as well. But I was, I was just sitting out um, having a little kind of campfire thing um, sitting out on the back porch with my neighbor and we just kind of had it on in the background, having a few drinks. And we're both just like, Missouri's going to Missouri, this thing. Like we, even though they're up 10 in the fourth quarter, there was no doubt in our minds that, it was only a matter of time before Missouri found a way to, to lose this game, which, which they did. I, so yeah, it just kind of gives you a different perspective when, when you've been around Missouri long enough, um, it just doesn't usually end well for them. And, and well, that's a, that's another case. Even when they do play well, they still find a way to bumble it towards the end. I mean, I'm again, I'm trying not to take anything away from Mizzou here. Again, they played, <laughs> they, they played their hearts out the entire game. I really think that second half was more about just Georgia finding the will to win that game rather than Missouri, just giving the game away. Yeah. Um, Georgia, Eventually, fi- Georgia finally made some adjustments in the fourth quarter that I think uh, helped the run game get going a whole lot more. You notice in the last couple of drives, Georgia was able to actually run the ball in Mizzou, something they were not able to do at all in the first half. I think they ended the first half with negative four rushing yards, something absolutely insane. Yeah. And so I would say that, again, all credit to Mizzou. They, play, they played their hearts out. Uh, and they, they really should, they should hang their hats uh, pretty high and everything like that. Obviously, you would want the win more than anything else. Like you, you would love to hang your hat on that. But I think, considering how the bad loss they took to Auburn the week before, this is a great way for the program to bounce back. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play against Auburn because obviously, obviously, we're looking at two weeks in a row of Georgia. I think we can both agree underperformed to their to their capabilities. And 100%. hundred percent. Nine times out of ten, they're playing against a team that they can just overwhelm especially in the trenches talent wise. And that'll probably also be the case with Auburn, 
But if we're starting to see a trend of Georgia not playing well, then that that becomes concerning. One or two games here, not a big deal. But if, if they also go against Auburn and look the same that they did against Kent State and Missouri, then that's that would be concerning as a Georgia fan. Oh, uh, heck yeah, it will be. Uh, again, the best the best part about being a Georgia fan is the fact that we got a natty in our back pocket. That's so, right. like, no matter what Every, happens this, is this season, we can free just, roll season. We yeah. can just be like, hey, we we just won the natty. Fix the mistakes. We'll go again next year. Um, but uh, eventually, time? if you want, if you want to be in that same category as as Alabama on that same level, oh then, yeah, then, no, then, no it's, then there's no free passes. Any well, season. We, we roll every season if we don't win a title, it's a disappointment. Well, I I I explained this to some of my Georgia friends yesterday. As a fan. It does not matter. You show up, you cheer for your team every single week. You are not the one who sets expectations. The program is. As far as Kirby and the players are concerned, yeah, they better get their butts back in there. They know they didn't play to the standard, and they're the ones who need to understand that they got to play better if they want to be viewed on the same level as Alabama moving forward. In terms of what a fan should be doing, be happy with the win. You realize that not every there there are teams that have already had much worse losses this year that are top teams. Um, again, it's always better to win the game at the end of the day than to lose it. And so, yeah, I I I'm I'm happy with the dogs moving forward right now. I think they get some things turned around. I wish I could say when, the same when about you, your when, Sooners. Yeah, that when you say there are some some top level teams that have much worse losses, we can no longer consider <laughs> Oklahoma a top level team. So I don't even think that uh, you uh, you were directing that at my Sooners. What a what an uh, abomination uh, of a performance yesterday, man! I was I blown even, away, dude. Yeah, I'll keep it short because I don't even really know what to make of what we witnessed. Hey, what I had. What I had kind of summarized it on the um, College Fantasy Tonight um, last night was Murphy's Law. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong, or anything that will go, you know, anything that could go wrong will go wrong. And man, it it did. Gabriel was was terrible to start the game. Then he got injured, and that left us with Davis Bevel. And if you haven't watched <laughs> him play, um, don't waste your time. It's it's not good. It's not quality quarterbacking. I'll say that. Oh my god! I just looked at a stat line. Ah, uh, it was it was hard to watch, and I'm just screaming at the TV. I'm like, Brent, we could. Is it not booty time yet? Can we please move <laughs> on to 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 booty or Evers or something? Give me something different. Give me something that gives me hope. <laughs> if if Gabriel is out a little bit, so but um eric gray got injured a couple of offensive linemen got injured uh marcus major didn't even play in the game so and man it was Barnes looked good it was uh, Barnes did look good yeah yeah th- there's there's obviously some silver lining there i guess but yeah um tcu man uh they look good sonny dykes had that offense rolling it looked like looked very similar to what he had going on at smu during the end of his tenure there i mean Man, uh, Max Duggan looked good. Kendra Miller looked good. Um, Quentin Johnson did not look good. <laughs> same, same story. <laughs> New week for him. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a rough one to watch. Yeah, especially like again, every one of us on the tailgate just predicted very quickly of like, all right, this is a get right week for Oklahoma. Yeah. Like they, they're they're going to come out, they're going to play pissed, and we we I. We were all like talking to the chat of just like talking about like how just just dumbstruck we were watching yeah. this game. We were like, uh, this this is not going well at all. 
I rarely bet on OU. I just don't like, I just don't like betting on, on my teams. I feel like I'm too close to the situation and it's just going to influence, you know, my, my rooting interest in the game. Dude, I totally bet on OU going into this game. I was like, yeah, this is like you mentioned, this is going to be a total get right week. And Brent has probably had this, this whole team fired up all week to get back out on the field. And man, what a letdown that was. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Other games that we got going on this week, uh, just in terms of a CFF perspective or CFB perspective, really more than anything else. um, Just some kind of state, not, not statement wins, but just some clarifying games in terms of like, who's probably in the driver's seat for conference championships down the line. Oklahoma State with a very big win over Baylor. I thought that was very impressive. They they won by 11 points. Clemson taking down NC State by 10 points. That was very that was a very good win for them. Uh, what other games we got going on this week? Uh, Purdue getting the win over Minnesota. Wake Forest going over Wake over Florida State. All of those Wake, pretty big wins. What was that? I was just gonna say Wake Forest looks good, man. I mean the they way do. that they the way that they took Clemson into overtime and then. Uh, the way that they played against Florida State. Florida State's been playing well this year. That was, that, I thought that was a pretty impressive win for Wake Forest because, on, you know, there, there was real potential for a letdown game. You, you fight with Clemson like they did last week and, and oh, yeah. don't come away with the win. There's, there's definitely a letdown potential there, and yet they stayed fired up for that Florida State game and played really well. Mississippi State took down Texas A&M, which, in, which is glee in my heart because, again, I'm – do you, you see that they're already talking about like the boosters were saying that they're willing to pay uh, to buy out Jimbo Fisher's buyout if he gets well, fired. he doesn't his he's fully guaranteed his buyout is the full contract which is like 120 million dollars I know and there and like there's rumors already that they're willing to pay that I'm like are you guys morons it's they they have the deepest pockets of any program in the country we know this um with NIL we just we know this with Jimbo's contract who knows, man? Oil prices are good. Maybe they are. Just like, screw it. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's figure something else out. You know, um, you're gonna kill I, me, Nate. I don't even know. Like, who would they go after if they win? I don't even know, dude. Like again, that 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 and like with what Jimbo had built there and everything. Like again, obviously, what the on-field product's not great, but in terms of what he built, like with the program, with the resources that he was getting for that program and everything like that you have to think like all right he's doing the baselines on that and again i'm not a jimbo fisher huge fan or anything like that but like that'll be hard to find somebody who will love it's kind of like the same situation as the auburn job right now where it's like nobody wants to go work for auburn right now because they're afraid that at the drop of the hat the boosters will just decide they don't like you anymore and therefore they're just going to throw you out at a moment's notice the the issue that jimbo has is with their recruiting classes being so good, I mean, last year was the supposedly the greatest recruiting class of all time that they had last year. Uh, and they're starting to string a few really, really good. Uh, I'm sure this year they're probably going to end in the top five to six as far as recruiting again. The problem with that is, is that if it still just results in eight to nine wins each year, then the oh, yeah. the, the the boosters, the fans, the administrations start to like look at it as, what are what are we paying for what well, are we like, what are we getting I, I, this is we're supposed to be taking that next step and unfortunately that's for AM fans that next step is going from eight wins to nine wins well he needs to do what saban did he needs to do what kirby did 
and he needs to bring somebody in from the outside to run his offense, but it's a much more difficult thing for him than it was for Kirby or for Saban, because Kirby and Saban, at their core, are both defensive guys. They're kind of okay with just pushing it off and saying, like, alrighty, I'm not the offensive guy. I can go out and hire somebody who's completely different from me, but they can run my offense. Kirby did with Monken. You saw Saban do it with Lane Kiffin and several other guys down and Sarkeesian down the line. If Jimbo hires somebody from the outside, you're you're asking him to just give up on his offense. Right. And that's an offense that he won a title with at Florida State, yep. that he won a title with with Nick Saban at, at LSU. I mean, these he's his offense in his mind, he probably thinks, why would I give up this? Like this is I'm the best at what I do, even though right now it really feels like a, an antiquated offense that yep. is no longer um, progressive by any sense. Yeah. Alrighty, before we get into my spiel, uh, we're gonna run through a list of quick, uh, quick list of injured players and everything. Again, the unfortunate thing about college football is that more than anything else, as I mentioned before, we just know that these guys are injured. We don't know how long they're gonna be out. We don't know the what kind of injuries a lot of them have gotten yet. But more than anything, we just want to make you guys aware that these are players that. There's a possibility that you need to keep an eye on them throughout the week, looking for news in terms of like developments of their um, of their status. So we'll start at the top. Bryce Young. This is one thing I do kind of know a little bit about. Apparently, this is a very minor injury. Uh, Nick Saban has said that he is day to day. He was knocked out in the Arkansas State game. We did get to see some Jalen Milrow, which is pretty interesting. But Young is apparently day to day, and there's a possibility. He doesn't play next week uh, for Alabama, but I would say it is more likely than not that he'll be back. Travion Henderson, a late scratch in the Ohio State game. We saw Mayan Williams come in, just absolutely take over that game. We can dis- we'll can we discuss more about him later on. But Henderson and his status, definitely going to keep an eye on him for the most part. I think it's safe to say that had they... If they were playing a tougher game today, he probably would have played. But even still, definitely keep an eye on him. Jairo Brock got banged up after one play against Kansas, which was very, very tough for me because I started him in a lot of leagues, and he ended the day with .8 points. So, yeah, that sucks. That was pretty rough. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, uh, running back out of Minnesota, completely out of nowhere scratch. Keaton Mitchell, he was banked up the week before. Not super surprising, he just suddenly out of nowhere was scratched. But again, we didn't get notification of that. Malik Cunningham was injured at at the end of the Boston College game. No indication on whether that's serious or not, so keep an eye on that. Dylan Gabriel, what's going on with him, Nate? Uh, Again, I know he took a pretty bad hit, uh, late hit in the game. Uh, Have they said anything about whether or not that is expected to be serious or not? I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Um, I'll try to find out a little bit more later this evening. But yeah, definitely a situation where he's likely in some kind of concussion protocol, uh, was unable to return. The guy that, that hit him was ejected uh, from, from the game. So uh, hopefully he's doing okay. Um, but I have not heard on what his status is moving forward. Probably going to be one of those day-to-day situations. Gotcha. Uh, a couple more names here. CJ Donaldson, our favorite tight end running back hybrid. He is injured at the moment, uh, injured early on in the game against Texas. No word on whether that, that's super serious or not. Uh, Israel, 
Banacanda, running back out of Pittsburgh, he uh, got injured pretty early on in the game against Georgia Tech. Once again, not a ton of information on him. Cam, he was, Cam, uh, oh, go I was ahead. Gonna say, I, I, I did read that Izzy was um, on the sideline with a, his arm in a sling, so it sounds okay. like an upper body injury. Gotcha. So he's probably out for a game, uh, at least a couple games. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Cam Camper, wide receiver out of Indiana, the leading target hog in the country. He was a late scratch for Indiana. Not sure what was going on there, but he, he was out for his game, so keep an eye on him. And then, Nate, you just added here, Eric Gray and Marcus Major, both injured. What's going on there? So I don't know what the situation is with, with Marcus Major. Uh, he was a, a late scratch similar to Mo Ibrahim. There was no no indication prior to the game or all week that he was going to be out, and then he didn't suit up. Um, Eric Gray got deemed up during the game. It doesn't sound like it's anything serious. But I just, yeah, I wanted to make a note of both of them on here. We didn't put Javante Barnes um, in in our waiver wire section. Obviously, we'd like to see more from him before he, he gets elevated to that type of status. But if these two are really even if one of them is out, um, he he does. Javante Barnes does become a factor uh, in a weekly scenario. So just something to keep an eye on. All the people who drafted him in like the first round of their freshman drafts would finally be vindicated. Right, yeah, he looked uh, good. I mean, he, yeah, he, he looked he, very he, good. He 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 runs with conviction. I mean, he is uh, he he's very physical whenever he is he's running the ball. Alrighty, before we get to the freakout scale, just gotta go ahead and get my spiel out of the way. You guys know what my spiel is. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. If you're, if you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you follow us. Leave a five star review and a written review if you can. We are part of the Campus Canton team here at. Or we are part of the CFF team here at Campus Canton. It is myself, Nate Marquis, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley. We got tons of content coming your way all the time. Uh, we got podcasts, articles, rankings, CFF uh, weekly rankings for you guys in season. We got two episodes of Chasing Natty coming out any given week. Mondays, you got myself and Nate. We are do- we are doing what we're doing today. We got the freakout list. We got uh, the recap. We got the waiver wire pickups, and then on Wednesday. You have myself and Chris Moxley. We're previewing the next week, and we're also discussing some of y'all sit-starts dilemmas that you are just rattling around in your head, and you have no idea what to do. Lots of great stuff coming your way. And be sure to check out our other content from the CFF team, uh, as well as uh, including Brandon Sanders' Bet on C2C podcast comes out on Wednesdays. It is him, Ethan Sowers, and Chris K. They do a fantastic job over there for all of your betting needs, whether that be prize picks, whether that be um uh game spreads whether that be dfs anything you need they got it for you guys all over there so with that being said let's go ahead and get into the freakout scale we have three running backs that we are going to discuss today and we're starting to shift away from our guys that we had in the preseason hype we, we have a pretty good idea of which guys we were relatively right on, which guys we were relatively wrong on. I think it's fair to say now, it's time to look at some of these guys who started off really well in the season, but in the later weeks here, it has been a little bit of a slowdown in their production. So we'll first start off here with Evan Hall, running back out of Northwestern. Dude was the running back one for CFF through the first three weeks of the season. All of a sudden, big slowdown here in the last two weeks. 
8.2 fantasy points against Miami of Ohio, 9.2 fantasy points against Penn State. It has been rough sledding for him out here. And it's not even like just going up against tough competition because you have Miami of Ohio thrown in the middle here. Nate, how concerned are we with Evan Hall here? Because I remember, I can't remember who put out this tweet, but somebody said that Evan Hall was going to be this year's Mateo Durant, which is start off really, really well. And then when they get into conference play, he completely disappears. How concerned are we here? I think, I think if you are an Evan Hall owner, you have to be pretty concerned just given the, the last two games. I, I will give a little bit of uh, an allowance for, for how things went against Penn State because if you watched any of that game, it was just um, really, really rough conditions. I mean, I think Penn, the Penn State running backs had like four fumbles in the game. It was oh, just not – it was just it – was, it was really, really ugly conditions in that game. Um, so I, I don't know how much we can really take away when the conditions are that bad. But the problem you're running into is, yeah, the schedule. You have Wisconsin coming up next week. That's not a great team to start running backs against. Then you have a bye week. And, and then you, I mean, you still have teams like Iowa and Ohio State and Minnesota that are that are all really good against the run coming up. Now, again, even when they're trailing, Evan Hole can still be effective because he is used so much in the past game. He had another six targets uh, on Saturday against Penn State. So I still think that he can be effective, but you're going to have to temper your expectations. These these weeks of 25-plus point performances, I think, are probably going to be very few and far between, uh, and you can kind of pick your spots. You can still start him against, like, the likes of maybe Maryland, Purdue, Illinois, you know, those types of games. But um, definitely concerns as they as they face some of the, the more talented teams and they become overmatched in the trenches. Gotcha. So where, where are you throwing him on the scale? Uh, I would probably put him at about a six. You know, it's, oh, it's wow. kind of – I don't know that I'm benching him, but I'm, I'm very, very dependent on the, the opponent that he is up against. Yeah, I think I'm going to – I'm probably going to put myself at a five. I'm definitely starting to look for a backup plan because, again, that voice in the back of my head is like – of, of, I, I wish I knew who said it, but, like, they – they, when they when they started comparing him to Mateo Durant, that that voice has been nagging me in the back of the head the last two weeks, and I said, "Alrighty, like that that may be what we're looking at here." I thought Evan Hall was looking to be just a monster throughout the entire season. Like I said, he was like RB one through the first like three weeks of the season. I thought he was going to continue it because he did it against Nebraska, Duke, um, and then all of a sudden, just a very big slowdown here. So. I'm definitely starting to look for a backup plan. I definitely wouldn't start him in every game. Like, definitely look look on your bench, see if there's a better option for you. But he's he's definitely gone from a okay. He looks matchup proof. You could start him against anybody. To the last couple of weeks will give you some pause in that. And you you don't necessarily think he's matchup proof. Mateo Durant's a fair comparison, but at the same time, he is. Again, he's really good in the past game. So yeah. there are going to be games where he'll still surprise you and be really effective, even if he only runs for 40 or 50 yards, just because he can he can have some success catching the ball. But the unfortunate thing is that like what Mateo Durant has that Hall doesn't apparently at this point is that with Mateo Durant, you do exactly when you could play him. Yeah. Because even later in the season when they went up against a, a lesser matchup, you knew you could play Mateo Durant that week, and he was still produced for you, even though he was sucking the rest of the weeks. But Evan Hall, again, 
very alarming to me that even against Miami of Ohio, couldn't score. Heck, Northwestern only scored 14 points in that game. So this is just a big problem with the offense overall. And people thought that Helensky was going to turn around. All right, let's move on to our next running back here. Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou Nichols, running back out of Central Michigan. Um, pretty good start to the season. 24.8, 13.8, 30.8. These are all half PPR uh, fantasy points, by the way. I just want to point that out to everybody in case there's some discrepancy here. But a little bit of a slowdown against Penn State. We expect that. That's fine. Whatever. Um, he struggled against Power 5 competition before, but then we got to this week, going up against Toledo. It's action, right? This is where he shines. 7.4 fantasy points, 18 attempts for 32 yards, 1.8 yards per rush. Nate, that performance right there is, I think, the most concerning thing of all, because again, this is one of those years where, hey, we're in action. This is what we're waiting for. Lou Nichols should be absolutely dominant at this point what's going on here and how concerned are you with mr nichols i don't think i'm very concerned at all this is one where i will say don't overreact don't uh don't don't put too much on these last couple of weeks so for me on the on the scale here i would probably put him at a two maybe i mean not not concerned really at all it was penn state so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of scratch that one. I'll chalk that one up to the competition level. Yes, they played Toledo. One, Toledo actually is one of the better MAC programs when it comes to stopping the run. But two, same thing that we saw with Penn State. That, that whole Ohio, western Pennsylvania area, all the weather conditions were brutal. I, was, I, I, I had bet on the um, Kent State game. And I took the overs, not realizing just how bad that weather was, thinking that, okay, they're far enough away from the coast. Hurricane uh, Ian isn't going to impact them. That Kent State game was ugly, too. Like, it was just a sloshy mess. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that I think that was probably playing a pretty big role whenever he was playing at Toledo. I actually – the one of the reasons I'm not concerned with him either, he's been way more productive in the past game than he was last year. I mean, this is a guy that is consistently getting five-plus targets. That wasn't happening – really at all last year. So mm-hmm. I kind of like to see that. I still think that um, there, there's maybe small concerns with the offensive coordinator change that they had in the offseason, but at the same time, he's their workhorse. They're going to keep feeding him. I'm, I'm not concerned at all here. Yeah. You talked me down. I, I was a little <laughs> bit more concerned coming into this. I'm where, would still, you, where would you have been? I would have been probably up near a four, maybe a five. Okay. I, okay. Again, that is, again, 1.8 yards, that's concerning to me against really anybody. It's mm-hmm. even again. I agree, Toledo's better, but even still, like if he had like th- like two and a half, three yards per carry, I'd be a little bit more okay with it. But again, one point eight—that is a very concerning line, and it's not the first time he's done that this season. Against yeah, the South efficiency, Al- the lack of efficiency is a little concerning, no doubt. Uh, again, like against South Alabama, he had one point three yards per carry. I agree with you. I like the fact that he is getting more touches in the receiving <laughs> game, but also the lack of touchdowns over the last two weeks are a little concerning because he's no longer really being that go-to guy for them for the end zone. I think that was what made him really, really special last year, in- including with all his volume, is the fact that he really just felt like the only guy for Michigan or Central Michigan that could score any given week. So it's concerning to me in the fact that he's probably not going to live up to his value in terms of how high we were drafting him. But 
you talked me down from where I was. I'm probably now at a three. I'm going to monitor him closely. If he has another performance like this against a MAC team, very much alarm bells will start ringing off in my head. All right, move to our third running back here. I tried to grab guys that were like two bad weeks in a row. Not the case here. I'm going with a guy that just absolutely crapped the bed this week and is a guy that never should have. That's Braylon Allen, man. What a week this week. He had eight carries for, wait for it, two yards. Just an absolutely abysmal performance. Now, granted, Wisconsin itself was just abysmal throughout the day, but even still, this was the kind of game that Braylon Allen would transcend above all. I think we're really looking at a... or. I'm definitely a little concerned after this because that I've never seen Braylon Allen get shut down the way that he has here. And I'm concerned that opponents are going to look at what Illinois was able to do because Illinois, while a very good run defense, no doubt about it. They, a lot of teams have better talent to just be able to execute what Illinois did. And I'm kind of concerned about what Braylon Allen will be able to do down the line here just a little bit. Nate, where are you at on this one? I, I can actually get some of the concern here. Um, I know Matt Bruning's kind of mentioned this, that he just has not been very efficient at all this year. He's had a couple of big runs that have really kind of impacted um, his, his average stat line. Yeah, that's that's really kind of boosted up his stat line. One of those runs being 76-something yarder uh, against Ohio State at the very end of the game when yep. the defense was was basically third stringers. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's some concern. I think the big issue is here, quarterback play is atrocious for them. It yeah. continues to be bad. If they have a season where their offensive line does not perform up to that Wisconsin standard, there's no relief that he's going to get. He is going to face eight-plus man boxes constantly, and yeah. there's nothing that Wisconsin can do about it to change that. So, and obviously weather is going to get worse up there. They're going to start facing, uh, you know, some really quality defenses. So, yeah, I mean, obviously this is not a situation where you're going to bench him. Yet oh, or no. Like that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in that kind of two to three range. I'm more, I, I tell you this, I'm more concerned with him than I am with the fact that Lou Nichols has put two back-to-back um, disappointing performances out there. Yeah. So, uh, and Wisconsin, say what you will about Ches Malusi. I mean, he's serviceable. They have somebody that if Braylon Allen, if they're just like, okay, we need to start giving Braylon Allen more breaks, and all of a sudden he's not getting that 20-plus workload, carry load, they've got a guy that they could lean on a little bit more. So that that would be a little concerning. And he, unlike the other two guys we've talked about, uh, the other guys we talked about before, he does not provide much in the pass game. No, so not at all. That's a, that's a, that's a downside for him. It was already a little concerning to me because, like, I remember part of the reason why I love Braylon Allen coming out of last year is that he was almost a guaranteed 100-yard rusher pretty much every week coming out of last year. I think yeah. it was, like, out of his last seven games, he hit five of them. He went over 100 yards. In the other two games, he was very, very close. This season already, out of the five games he's played, he's only gone over 100 yards twice. Right. And, and, he, and he wouldn't... Like, I was going to say he wouldn't have hit that 100 yards had he not been in, still in the game down like 40 uh, exactly. against Ohio State. Yeah. So it, it definitely a little concerning the fact that he's just not looking as good as he did last year. Now, again, sophomore slumps, all that good jazz stuff. This kind of stuff happens. But I'm with you. I'm probably sitting around a three. But definitely, definitely some cause for concern on Braylon Allen here. 
and I'm not saying we're going to get another week where he only gets two yards. I think that's just wor- yeah. that was worst case scenario what happened yesterday. But yeah. he's he's still going to be a very productive and and valuable player for your fantasy roster. It's just it just there's a lot of indications that maybe what we saw last year, at least the second half of the season when he was just an absolute monster, we may not get quite that repeat performance here, and you may not get. Um, paid off for what you invested in him in the offseason. Yeah, I think some of us, myself included, I will I'll throw myself in here, is that like we're just a little early to jump the gun on the idea that this could be our next, this could have been our next Jonathan Taylor-esque running back for Wisconsin, especially it like with the way he looked to end the last season. Yep. Chesma Lucy looks better this year. He is he is off of his injury. He, again, he, he outperformed Allen this past week by a very good margin. Again, he only got like 30 yards, but even still, compared to what Allen did, that was astronomical. So, yeah, definitely some cost for concern, but I would say continue to start him for right now. Alrighty, that's enough with the freakout. Let's get into these quarterbacks, and let's get into the waiver wire. So, we have today almost a full slate. We got five quarterbacks, five running backs, four wide receivers, and two tight ends that we are going to throw out to you guys and the first one we have to talk about, and sorry, Nate, I know we've already discussed this pain, but we got to talk <laughs> about Max Duggan, quarterback out of TCU, rostered on only 19% of rosters right now. I it like That's going to change very, very quickly, I have to imagine. But Duggan, a lot of us have kind of written him off as a bad quarterback, but man, that TCU offensive line, they've given him some time to throw. And he looks like a very different quarterback when he's back there and has some time to throw and when he has multiple options as to who he's going to pass the ball to because CCU has some pretty good wide receivers this year. Unfortunately, none of them are monopolizing the target share to the point to where we can say any of them are truly CFF guys. But this is kind of what you want sometimes where it's like a guy who spreads the ball, everything's going to funnel through him. There's not going to be a guy out there that somebody can play against you to counter him because... He's going to spread the ball around so much you don't know who's going to be. Max Duggan, this this could be a very, very big pickup for anybody. Nate, what do you think about him? Absolutely. 19% on what are you people doing? What, how have you let him sneak through your waivers this many times? If you are in those leagues, I can't believe it. That Yes, he should have. He is a Sonny Dykes starting quarterback the moment Chandler Morris went down with injury he should have been he should have been snatched off of waivers in and we discussed him a few weeks ago when Chandler Morris went down and how he's somebody you need to make a speculative add on mm-hmm. I, I think and I mentioned this before it, when we talked about him a few weeks ago and it feels even more so now is this comparison to Hinden Hooker from last year yep a new system but he's a quarterback that has his flaws, but has been really effective in the past. Yep. And the new staff didn't think he was the best fit, went with another guy who performed not great in the first week or two of the season, has an injury. Duggan comes in, saves the day similar to Hinden Hooker, and, and that really, really strange choice by Josh Heupel to uh, take uh, Joe uh, Milton ahead of him yep. last year. It feels very similar to that. And we saw what happened with him and Hooker. He absolutely took off last year because it's a great system and he's a dual threat quarterback. Yep. Yes, you need to be running to your waivers to add this guy if you haven't. 
and you are about to make a bid, make sure it's a bid big enough to get him. He's he's built enough equity now. When you when you hammer teams like Oklahoma, the staff, even if he has a little bit of a struggling game, it's less likely that the staff is able to turn to Morris right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's built that equity. He's beaten some really – he beat – Sonny Dyke's old program that, yeah. that there's a lot of bad blood with, with SMU. So two really, really strong performances in a row. Yeah, and like I think some people are relative. I think part of the reason people have been hesitant is because they still look at that September 2nd game against Colorado. Only scored 5.18 fantasy points in that game. That was just a game where TCU well, he came found off the bench late in the game. He came off the bench late in the game. I mean... Oh, I forgot Chandler Morris did play that game. Chandler Morris started. He played till the third quarter, so he... And then it was, and they so Chandler Morris had almost. I think he. I don't think they had any touchdown drives through the first two and a half quarters. Morris gets hurt. Duggan comes in. They immediately have two touchdown drives, and then it was kind of a blowout. And then they brought in the third stringer. That's mm-hmm. why he only, he only scored five points. Yeah, you're right. I I I I I completely misremembered history there. But even still, like, yeah, I don't have I don't I don't have any excuse here as to why people <laughs> haven't been picking him up. I was trying to. I, I was trying. I was trying to help you all out there who still haven't picked him up. But uh, yeah, there's not really much excuse here. He it this this could be a league winning play right now, and he's available in almost in over eighty percent of leagues right now. So if he is in your waiver wire, honestly, looking ahead at some of the other guys we're going to recommend here, I think he's probably the number one overall option for this week off of waivers. Like I don't think there's anybody else we're looking at here that could possibly contend with him. Yeah, I mean, if you need a QB, this the ceiling is really high. Obviously, I mean, there, there's still potential that if he struggles through a performance or two that he could um, be pulled for Chandler Morris. But at the same time, with each week that goes by, he's, he's building a gap between him and, and the backup QB there. Oh, yeah. All righty. Let's move on to our second quarterback here. We're going to talk about the Arizona quarterback, Jaden Delora, rostered on 29% of rosters. Let me just point out the fact that Delora is rostered more than Duggan makes absolutely no sense, even though we are recommending Delora. Like, what did Delora do that Duggan hasn't done that makes you guys, makes some of y'all think he's worth rostering, but not Duggan? I don't know. <laughs> I think probably the big thing is he came in the starter at the True. beginning of the season, whereas Duggan did not. And so he probably got drafted more and also people, you know, less likely to be concerned that he would lose his job because he's not an injury situation. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk about Delora here coming off a monster game this past weekend, six touchdowns through the air over almost 500 yards passing. He has had two games in a row where he has thrown for at least 45 times. Dude is looking legit. Arizona looking way more legit than I think we were giving him credit for. He has a great connection with Jacob Cowing. They are humming along, and Delora is really the center of this offense right now. So not really much else, that much else to say with him. Uh, he's got some dual threat ability as well. Uh, it's gone positive pretty much since week three and on. Um, scored one touchdown in week three against uh, North Dakota but uh, again this past week 47 points but three out of the other four weeks he scored anywhere from 24 to 27 points that's steady Eddie any given week yeah I think the the nice thing with Arizona here is is that their defense is still really bad Um, giving up 20 points to Colorado 49 points to Cal 
20, 28 points, North Dakota uh, state. So, I mean, there's a lot of shootout potential. He's somebody that I like in DFS, um, you know, DFS plays, putting him in my lineup just because there's, there's potential for him to go off. And if everything falls right, which it did against Colorado, leading the six touchdowns and almost 500 yards, yeah, uh, you can have those types of breakout performance. And that's what you want. I mean, you want a guy, especially as we start to, you know, work our rosters, manage our rosters for the playoffs. You want guys that have high ceiling potential and, he kind of falls into that category just because of that shootout op- opportunity. And they got really good wide receivers there, man. Cowing, Singer, um, T-Mac. I mean, all those guys are yeah. – That's it's a really good crop of guys to throw the ball to. Yeah, and like you mentioned, like it, again, a lot of these guys are telling you outside of guys like Duggan and stuff like that, a lot of these guys will get onto your roster and more than likely be backup options. These aren't going to be guys you're starting week to week. But Delore is the perfect guy. Like Nate said, any given week, there's going to be a shootout potential between them – and whoever they are playing. And so he's the perfect guy to just kind of slip into your lineup whenever your starter is out for the week. And you just say, all righty, go to work, fall behind, or just defense give up uh, 30 points, and let's see what happens. Moving on to our next quarterback here, let's talk about Holton Ehlers, quarterback out of East Carolina, rostered on 17% of CFF leagues. Ehlers feels like one of those quarterbacks where it's like every year there's a couple people who are like I are really really into them I think there's one year where he was like considered like a top six uh CFF QB completely flopped that year but like he crops up every once in a while and here he is cropping up again um excellent excellent week from him this past week against South Florida 43 and a half fantasy points got himself six touchdowns four of which went to another wide receiver we're going to talk about later uh, but Nate, what do you think about Holt Nailers here? Mr. November, man, this guy for, for what seems like the last 12 years, he has um, been drafted and then you're disappointed because he's terrible in September and October, you drop him and then he goes bonkers in November, but we're actually seeing uh, signs of life before we get into the, the, the last month of the season, the season, which is nice. Um, it's hard to take away too much from South Florida because they're just awful. And they actually scored a little bit, so they were able to keep up. But, I mean, as we talked about, Gaetan Mitchell has been injured, so they're kind of relying on the pass game a little bit more there at East Carolina. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's not in that same category as the first two quarterbacks we talked about, but he no. is somebody that um, you can plug and play against the likes of, you know, South Florida, Memphis, um, you know, even Houston or Temple towards the end of the season and, and, and think that you're going to have a solid, you know, 25 points out of him. Yeah. Nothing really much else to say. Again, the, the, the true East Carolina player that we're going to want to talk about will come later. We'll move on to our next quarterback as of right now. And that's going to be Mr. John Paddock quarterback out of ball state rostered on only 2% of leagues for CFF. I am just going to go down a list of numbers here. And that is 43, 41, 44, 47, and 58. Those are the passing attempt numbers that Mr. Paddock has had for Ball State in the last five games that he has played in. We have talked about already that some of these MAC players, their value increases now that they're getting into conference play. Um, This is the second MAC game that Paddock has played in this year. 
and against NIU, and he threw for 58 times at over 400 yards and three touchdowns. Dude had an absolutely wonderful, wonderful game. He's somebody that I'm definitely taking an interest for moving forward into action. I think anybody with that level of volume in a conference that does not like to play defense at all, definitely have to give him a look. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I think he's probably more of a either a deeper league type pickup or just somebody to stash on your bench and see if this volume continues. You can't deny the the amount of volume he's getting. He's not he's not the type of quarterback that I would usually roster. I mean, he offers absolutely nothing in the rush in the run game. Um, but it's hard to ignore this level of volume. He kind of reminds me of like Tanner Morgan if Minnesota actually threw the ball a little bit more. He's got decent he's got decent receivers. He's not going to get you anything with his legs, but he's got a really safe floor of about 20 points that you can expect on, on a weekly basis. And I mean, like you said, it's, we're getting into action season. He plays Ohio and Miami uh, for the semifinals and championship week. So it's, it's, it's Miami of Ohio in- or Miami. Miami of Ohio doesn't okay. matter which which you're right at this at this point it doesn't matter <laughs> it might be it might actually be more intriguing if you played Miami Miami but that's true that's true <laughs> but yeah you, it's 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 getting hard to deny the uh, the amount of volume that he's getting which is um which, which has been it's been it's, it's working out well for him right now yeah some of these guys sometimes I just notice that how much volume they're getting and you just want guys that are going to touch the ball a whole ton and right now Paddock is getting a very safe floor of at least throwing the ball 40 times a game. So, again, do I love the production he gets out of those 40 times a game? Probably not every single week, but even still, like, now that we're getting into action, I think he's going to be a pretty good option moving forward. Definitely somebody you're just going to want to stash onto your rosters. Let's move on to our final quarterback here. Normally a DFS darling, but dare I say, I think I'm starting to consider him a legit CFF option week to week here and that is duke quarterback riley leonard rostered on nine percent of rosters he has hit over 27 points in the three out of the last five weeks plays in the acc a conference that is another one of the conferences that is just not loving to play defense right now he has a dual threat ability that people love to take advantage of um he has gone over 50 yards rushing four out of the last five weeks He's gotten multiple touchdowns in two out of the last three games on the ground. He's somebody that I'm definitely picking up probably if I am looking for a safe option at quarterback any given week. Nate, what do you think of Riley Leonard? Isn't it wild that here we sit after five weeks of the season and Duke and Virginia just played and we would much rather have the Duke quarterback than we would the, Vir- the Virginia. I knew you were going to sneak some Brendan Armstrong hate <laughs> into this somehow. <laughs> I can't help myself. Like it's, we pounded the table. Damn it. Did you people we did, listen? To we, us? Did. we did. We did. <laughs> so um, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I would, I would rather if, if, if I were given the option between Leonard or Paddock, I would probably take Leonard. Um, that Duke offense has been a really nice transformation in that first season with the new staff. Mm-hmm. They've actually been really good. He does provide a, a decent amount of upside in the, in the uh, run game. So I kind of like that. Um, yeah. I, I think he is actually becoming uh, a viable fantasy option here. A Duke quarterback. Serious. It's crazy. 
Yeah, I, literally, when you're talking about how Paddock wasn't your type of running back, I literally looked down at Riley Leonard next on the list. I'm like, this is going to be more Nate speed. This is the kind of guy that Nate would pick up in like a dynasty league and being like, all right, yeah. I don't care how many years I get you. You just seem like a safe option that I can roll out any given week. His next two, his next two weeks are Georgia Tech. Well, his next three weeks, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and Miami. Oh, I mean, those are baby. That's that's a really nice stretch. I mean, if that's oh, a yeah. guy you can pick up off waivers, and we're kind of hitting that part of the season where a lot of quarterbacks are going to be on buys over the next few weeks. Um, he's somebody that you can plug and play and feel pretty good about. I agree 100. percent All right, this is the last of our quarterbacks. We'll throw out an honorable mention here, real quick. And, and I mentioned earlier. Bryce Young, day-to-day right now. There's a possibility he might not play next week. So Jalen Milrow is a guy that you should probably take a look at just as a possibility for this week because not only is he Alabama offense, but he is a guy that Saban seems very okay with just letting him run. And he had an 80-yard run in the Arkansas game. Definitely can probably run for a little bit more than even that. I think he is somebody to keep an eye on. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I just wanted to put him on here more than more than anything if not just for the Bryce Young owners if you own Bryce Young i really think that a handcuff is is necessary here with Jalen Milrow just to kind of protect that asset that you have is is the Alabama quarterback situation if Bryce Young i mean likely if if the injury is pretty minor and he does i mean they do have Texas A&M i'm sure that Saban with his feud with Jimbo right now would love to to bring Bryce Young into that game and then they have Tennessee next so I'm sure that if, if possible, they'd like to play Bryce Young. But um, who's to say that he doesn't get re-injured if they were to bring him back a little bit mm-hmm. too quick? You want to have that backup option there. So, um, and yeah, I mean, Milrow's one of those guys. It's a, number one, it's the Alabama quarterback. Number two, it's, it's the most mobile Alabama quarterback we've seen since Jalen Hurts. So, um, yeah, I think that there's, there's potential there. Um, but go get him if you, if you do carry Bryce Young on your roster. In Dynasty Leagues, I was grabbing Milrow everywhere this offseason because everybody yeah. was going after Ty Simpson, just assuming he'd be the next guy. And I said, well, I'm like, well, I've heard a lot of good things about how the staff feels about Jalen Milrow after Bryce Young is gone. I think he might be the better value here. I've been scooping him up everywhere. And now, if Bryce Young is out for any kind of period of time, all of a sudden those Dynasty Leagues have a extra quarterback option that I never thought I would have. Right. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people are going to give some criticism as to how Milrow performed uh, on Saturday. Oh man, that's like conversation with something. He didn't look great in the past game, but keep in mind, yes, it, it was his first game um, that he was kind of thrown into the mix. So it's kind of hard to kind of get, get going mid game. It's not a situation where he prepared all week for, but also look at it. Number one, I don't think Bill O'Brien's that great of a, of a no. play caller. But he, too, has to totally change his mindset as a play caller when it's Milrow back there as opposed to Bryce Young because they are two vastly different skill sets as players. So I think that if you have a season to prepare, an offseason to prepare for a whole season with him as your starter, things are going to look way different. The offense, the dynamics of everything are just going to look totally different. He can be successful. He's that kind of freakish type athlete. Yeah. Alrighty, we got. I, I just realized we're almost an hour into this. We got. We got to move. We got to move on. We got to move on to the running backs here. Let's go ahead and hit this top one here. I almost threw this one down as a idea for a somebody like oh handcuff option. Uh, Travion Henderson owners should probably pick him up. I'm like no. I've decided this is just an option to pick up moving forward into the season. We're talking about Mayan Williams, the running back of Ohio State. 
uh, roster on 29% of rosters right or on of leagues right now. Even with Travion Henderson on the field, he was already performing pretty well with the limited touches that he was getting. He was usually getting about 8 to 10 to 11 touches per game. And he was honestly outperforming Henderson in several of the games, scoring more touchdowns than Henderson was. And then we saw this last week. The moment Henderson's not in the game, Mayan Williams is a legitimate option for this Buckeyes offense moving forward as their lead running back. He's not injured. Last year, he was kind of banged up, so he couldn't really show it off. I am very, very bullish on what Mayan Williams can do the rest of the season. Nate, what do you think about Mr. Williams here and his rest of season potential? Absolutely. I think he should definitely be rostered. The problem with Ohio State is that they're too damn good. They haven't had a game closer than 30 points since week one. So they can just, they have the luxury of just resting Travion Henderson, just resting JSN. And while that sucks for those owners, it makes players like Mayan Williams and Julian Fleming and Mecca Buka, like those yeah. all become very, very viable fantasy options. So yeah, he definitely needs to be rostered. Yeah, 100, 100% agree. And uh, do you have their schedule pulled up at the moment? Like what kind of matchups they got coming up? I, does it really uh, matter? Ohio State's going to score it, it, 40 it, it points really, in any game. It really game. doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter. They face Michigan in the last week of the season. They've got, I mean, they've got Michigan State, a bye in Iowa coming up in the next three. But once again, it just it doesn't matter who they play. They exactly. don't score on anybody. The only thing I would be worried about maybe is Michigan State. They're going to throw the ball all over the yard like they did last year, which that was an awesome, awesome week. When I play I, in one lineup, I played CJ Shroud. Um, I played JSN and I played um, Garrett Wilson against somebody. That was a really, really Jeez. fun week. Um, <laughs> anyway, moving on to our second running back option here. We got Mr. Day Day Hunter running back out of Liberty roster on 22% of rosters. I was a big fan of Day Day coming in. Very slow start to the season though. But last couple of weeks, 18, 18 and 15 carries in each of those games. Hit over 90 yards in all three of them. Hit, gotten a touchdown in all three of them. Very good, safe option, in my opinion, moving forward for the Liberty offense. The only thing I'm kind of worried about is maybe Salter starts to uh, vulture some of his touchdowns moving forward. But even still, I like the floor here with Hunter. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I'm somebody that's that's been too slow to warm up to, to Day-Day Hunter. I know Moxley was really hyping him up in the offseason. So props to him for that. Um, yeah, there, it's clear that Hugh Freeze is starting to lean on the run game a little bit more just with some of the uncertainty that they've had at QB with some of the injuries and Salter's good, but man, he's raw. And so if you have that running back that you can lean on, um, do it. And they're, they're doing it right now with, with Day Day. Yeah. And he's also involved in the passing game in some of the games, like, uh, in the game against Wake Forest, he caught five balls, for 21 yards. Not a tough, not not great average. Obviously, you would want to see more than four point two yards per catch. But even still, the fact that they're willing to use them in the receiving game definitely always a good upside there. Mm-hmm. Moving on to our next running back here, let's talk about Casey Filkins, the running back out of Stanford, rostered on nine percent of rosters. This is a guy that obviously AJ Smith is down for the year. Uh, they took they took their sweet time letting us know that. Because uh, they made it sound like he was going to come back. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, he's done for the year. Filkins, in his absence, has gotten 16, 20, and 19 carries per game. Has rushing yards of 77, 180, 
and has gotten a touchdown in one out of the last three games. I have to imagine that'll change. Or no, he's gotten a touchdown in two out of the last three games because he got receiving touch, touchdown. Another running back for Sanford that is being used on the ground in the receiving game. What do you think about Philkins here, Nate? He's very. He's actually very similar to EJ Smith. Um, he's somebody I watched. I watched that USC game, the one where EJ Smith injured his, his hand and and was taken out eventually. Philkins filled in. Um, basically, what I would equate it to is uh, eighty to ninety percent of what we were getting out of EJ. I think we can get out of Casey Philkins. He's not as dynamic, but he's still very very effective in the pass game, um, which is good because Stanford's yeah. going to be down a lot. They're terrible. Um, <laughs> But, but uh, I I would say he doesn't have great touchdown upside. I just don't know yeah. that they're going to get around the goal line enough, uh, and he's really not a between the tackles type of guy. But I, I do think it's reasonable to think that fifteen to eighteen points is within his range against most teams because of what he can do in the receiving game. Yeah, I don't I don't really have any arguments with that. I I fully agree with you that it's like don't expect him to be EJ Smith, but he's clearly shown that he can be effective enough. With the opportunity, the, oh my goodness, opportunities that he is getting to be a decent option for you week in and week out for your fantasy lineups, I would roster him with confidence. And then definitely, I would keep an eye on what kind of matchups you are throwing him into. Stanford definitely is a team that is on the track to have a very, very bad season. I would be surprised if Dave Shaw has his job by the end of the year, but even still, the fact that he is receiving back, just like we were talking about with Evan Hall earlier, definitely helps him out a lot. Moving on to our next running back here, we got Brendan Brady, running back at a UTSA, rostered on 13% of rosters. Shout out to Nicholas Ian Allen over at CFB Winning Edge for being on this guy earlier, pretty much than anybody else. I was a high Edwards guy. He hasn't done anything. Brendan Brady, uh, instead, over the last couple of games, has gotten 19 carries for 76 yards, 21 carries for 70, 14 for 49, and 19 for 98, along with four touchdowns in the last four games. And he has seen a little bit of receiving work as well. I say that this right here, if you are going to bet on a UTSA running back moving forward for this season, this is the guy to have. This UTSA offense is just absolutely insane. They have multiple receivers that are great fantasy options. Frank Harris is an absolute monster. And then they score enough to where Brendan Brady is going to get his scoring opportunities any given game. Even though there's a lot to kind of spread around to everybody else, Brendan Brady seems to find his share any given week. I like him quite a bit. What do you think, Nate? I, I can't believe that here we are five weeks into the season and this is the, the running back to roster for UTSA based off of what we had been reading at the beginning of the year. I, I was just checking the box score to make sure that um, uh, Traylon Smith wasn't still out with injury. And no, he played. He got no, 12 he played. Yeah, he got 12 carries. He wasn't very good. He had 31 yards off 12 carries. Um, Ty Edwards is just a total mystery. He's he's not even in the mix anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Brendan Brady's really that good, but it doesn't really matter. When you've yeah. got an offense that is this potent, and is able to get up and down the field. I mean, they're a top 10 offense. They score points. And he's going to get opportunities. And you just can't you can't deny that situation. I have a little bit of some hesitancy in thinking that maybe Smith 
kind of pries that job away from him on down the road. But right now he's the guy that's getting the workload. So you gotta, you gotta trust what the, the staff is doing. One more caveat here. I'll throw in there. I don't think anybody should come into this expecting to get like sincere McCormick out of this or anything right. like that. Right. That's just not who Brandon Brady is or any of these running backs on UTSA's roster right now. However, no, he's a decent running back week to week. He's got he's got twenty plus points in three out of five weeks. So while he's not sincere McCormick, um, he's doing a pretty damn good job. Yep. righty. One last running back to talk about here. Our good old buddy, Nate, we felt like we needed to remind everybody of this man because he's still only rostered on 8% of Fantrax leagues. It is Mr. Say Ben-Gura, running back out of Ohio. I think people dropped him or dropped the faith way too early after he faced up against Penn State, Iowa State, and then he didn't play against Fordham in that absolute shootout of a game. He would have been heavily involved had he played in that game. And I think people just kind of felt like, okay, he's not worth anything. I'll drop him. He comes back this week against Kent State, scores 21.4 fantasy points. He is going to be a force in action. Ohio can run the ball extremely well. And any back that'll go in there and take over the backfield, like say Bangura has been doing for them, is going to benefit greatly from that. I, I feel like I've given this spiel before for Bangira, but like I just need to remind everybody this man exists and he is criminally, criminally under rostered. He is somebody that you will be wanting to have on your team before everybody else figures it out. So Nate, what do you think about him? Yeah, absolutely. I love Bangira. We've talked about him before. If you've if you've listened to the show, you know my thoughts on him. I've written about him. I think he's I think he's really, really quality running back. Um it, He's not being rostered because of, of that non-conference schedule and because of the injury. So good. Go ahead. Yeah. This is a great advantage for you. Take advantage of it. Um, go get him before somebody else does. If you're one of those people that dropped him, shame on you. Go get him. Go pick him, <laughs> go go pick pick him, back, him up. back up. Yeah, go pick him back up. This guy can flat out play. And, hey, that Kent State defense is is a pretty underrated defense. They're actually not bad for, for a MAC team. Obviously that is, and that's a shocking statement to make. Right. Kent State I know, has right? been horrendous the last couple yeah. of years. And he and he went for basically 130 total yards. So, um, you know, this is a guy that you should definitely be rostering. Yeah. Like Nate said, you, if you dropped him, admit you made a mistake, go pick him up, find some space for him on your roster. You will not regret it. Let's move on to our wide receivers. And we're going to start with the man that absolutely exploded this past weekend, and that is going to be Mr. C.J. Johnson, wide receiver out of East Carolina, rostered in only 10% of leagues on fan tracks. This is the performance I feel like people have been waiting four years for when it comes to Mr. C.J. Johnson. He was an absolute force as a freshman, disappointing the last two years. Here he is coming back, just like with Holton Aylers. He pretty much was the reason for Holton Aylers' relevance yesterday. Dude, was insane seven receptions 197 yards four touchdowns he is a guy that is getting work week to week now granted as we mentioned earlier with uh with Ehlers it is South Florida so probably a little caveat but even still if he can produce half of this any given any given week this is a guy that you again you want just to have guys in your roster that have the potential to hit 47 to 50 points any given like just any given week and CJ Johnson's now showing that he has that upside. 
Nate, what do you think about him? What's that uh, that uh, meme from the office with Michael Scott? Um, I'm I'm prepared to be hurt again. Yes, uh, that that's how I feel with C.J. Johnson here. This is somebody that a couple of years ago I probably was the conductor of the C.J. Johnson hype train single handedly, probably caused a spike in his <laughs> in his draft capital. And my God, he was let down. Um, so it is good to see him, um, get straight with the staff and find his way back onto the field. And is it, it shows you what, what I was looking at as far as like what his capability is. He's got a really high ceiling. He's a really good athlete that plays in a G five conference and he's six foot three, 215 pounds. He's yeah. got an NFL skill set. Um, he's got, it's just between him and Holden Aylers, it's this constant psychotic situation of <laughs> what what's going to happen. When are they going to play well? They're going to play well at some point. Just nobody ever knows. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how sustainable this is. He's he he had seven catches for two hundred yards basically on seven targets. So we'd like to see more volume. Um, you know, if you're looking at his his stat line here, he's caught a lot of pretty much all of his targets that he's received all season. So. Just need to see him get a little bit more targets, but man, he's got he's got a really high ceiling if he can get some consistency. Well, the number of targets, like pretty much outside of week one, has kind of consistently creeped kind of up and up. I think Ayler's yeah. recognizing that he is catching all the targets that are coming his way. It's something that it, he's becoming a guy that Ayler's can rely on once again. And after a game like this past week, you have to imagine that he'll probably go Johnson's way. I mean, he went to him four times in this game and hit long touchdowns on on multiples of them he is clearly realizing that johnson can be his go-to guy kind of moving forward here that's why i'm pretty bullish on him moving forward here and kind of like i said you just want to have guys sitting on your bench that have that potential to just have monster games like this you don't want to fill your roster with a bunch of guys who are like Oh well, I, I I know he'll get twelve points, so that'll be right. safe for me, right? No, if you're throwing at a guy because you have a bye week and you're sitting there like, all right, I'm just gonna shoot for the moon here because I'm in trouble. I'm going up against a good team this week. You're gonna throw in a guy like C.J. Johnson. That's what Justin Heisey did to me this week in our in our dynasty league, and he pretty much won because of C.J. Johnson here. We had a really high scoring game, and I couldn't do anything about a wide receiver scoring fifty. So. Right. It's tough to overcome those, man. Those, those, are weak, those are weak winners, and you want guys that have the potential to give you weak winning performances. Exactly. Let's move on to our next wide receiver here. Let's go to Jake Bobo here. I love this picture of this man. He is just so happy looking. Look at him. Anyway, uh, he is rostered on 17% of rosters. He is the wide receiver out of UCLA. Had a great, great game this past week up against Washington. Nine targets for six receptions, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. UCLA has not had a true number one wide receiver up until this point in the year. It's kind of gone back in between Bobo and Allen, but I think after a performance like this, we should expect Bobo to probably see more targets coming his way. The fact that in a big game like this, that he was able to receive almost double-digit targets, I like that a lot. And we've seen in the past at UCLA, especially DTR, does like to hone in on one wide receiver, at least for a stretch of the season. I think Bobo is that guy for at least the next couple of weeks. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I, I agree. This, I think Washington, that this performance against Washington um, was a good indication of what we can expect moving forward with, with the Pac-12. 
the first handful of games of the season competition level was really low. They didn't really yeah. have to rely on the pass game. They weren't challenged. They didn't have to, to do anything vertically offensively. Um, that's going to change when they face the likes of, you know, USC, Washington state, Utah, Oregon, all those teams. So I think now that they have to rely on DTR and his arm, I think it's safe to say that Jake Bobo is going to be the biggest beneficiary of that. And that's exactly what we saw versus Washington. Yeah. And like, again, go back in his past couple of weeks, he's gotten a pretty decent amount of targets every, every single week. Um, last week against Colorado, not great. Cause he didn't get a touchdown, but again, if had he gotten a touchdown, you would have been pretty happy with that performance right there. I like him moving forward. Let's move on to our next wide receiver here. We have Mr. Elijah Cooks, wide receiver out of San Jose State University, rostered on 18% of rosters in fan tracks. Probably, it turns out, one of the smarter Nevada, former Nevada wide receivers after Norvell leaves Nevada because he just decided not to follow Norvell to Colorado State, and he looks like he's doing pretty well here over at San Jose State with their air raid offense that they got going on. This past week, he had 11 targets for eight receptions, 177 yards, no touchdowns, unfortunately, but still, you love guys who are able to get that volume. You love guys who are consistently seeing that level of volume from their quarterbacks. Weeks before it, he has seen targets of seven and eight in the game. Nate, what do you love so much about Elijah Cooks? I think he's a really good, as, as Chris Moxley would put it, positive touchdown regression candidate, meaning the the targets and the receptions and and his productivity has not matched or hasn't resulted in the touchdowns and i think we see that change moving forward i think that's why his ownership is so low he hasn't had really big fantasy weeks even though he's been overwhelmingly the primary target there for chevin cordero so um i think he's been tackled twice maybe even three times within the two yard line to the goal line. So he's, he's just, it's a case of being unlucky so far. And I think some of that will, I think uh, just that'll just change moving forward. And we see him pop off for a few of those kind of 30 point uh, fantasy output. So I, 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 it, in, in all of everything, that's all these offensive systems like Utah state, Boise, Colorado State that have all struggled out there in the mountain West. uh, It looks like San Jose is, is, figured it out and they're they're one of the more consistent offenses and he's he's one of the top targets that they're that they have yeah and he's staying healthy which is another right. great thing is the fact that like we never really got to see what he truly looked like at nevada because he couldn't stay healthy as for right he's... now injury bug has not gotten to him again that's always great he reminds me a little bit right now of what we were kind of dealing with with trey palmer for a little while there because it was like trey palmer had the targets had the production week to week, and man, we just could never get him to find the end zone. Now, last couple of weeks, he's finally getting the he's finally getting into the end zone and getting those points from that. And suddenly, people are looking at Trey Palmer in a whole different light right now. I fully agree with you, Nate, that Elijah Cooks probably has a very similar aspect to him in the next coming weeks. By the way, do you want to hear his uh, semifinals and championship weeks? Yes, please. Give me give me that. Utah State and Hawaii. <laughs> so yeah that's, let's just that's, pray that's, <coughs> that's, that's pretty nice stay healthy until yep. that point Alrighty. speaking of volume let's talk about our last wide receiver here and uh we're going to talk about mr derwin burgess wide receiver out of georgia southern 
rostered on only 11% of rosters. Guys! Guys, guys, guys. 11%, really? This is a man that has seen targets in his game so far this year. Five games so far. Nine. 22. Eight. Eight. 15. I don't care what league you're in, whether that is PPR, non-PPR, anything in between. Guys, you just want to have somebody on your roster that is getting this number of targets any given week. He is set up for absolutely monster, monster games any given week. He has scored three touchdowns so far, and in the games where he has, he has absolutely been somebody that you love to have. To, uh, or, in the, in the games that he has scored a touchdown, he has not gone over 100 yards. In the games he hasn't, he has gone over 100 yards. This is a guy that it feels like one way or another, he is going to make you happy at the end of the day. No reason not to go pick up Derwin Burgess. Shout out to Chris Moxley for even getting us on this Georgia Southern offense to begin with during the offseason. Paying off big time, and I'm here fully on the Burgess train. What do you think, Nate? Oh, I'm with you, man. I don't have much more to add to it. The guy's criminally under you know under owned so far under rostered it's you want target hogs man you want volume we've been screaming at this whole time you want guys that get volume he gets volume um go pick him up yeah no yeah i'm almost speechless there's nothing else to add it's like i don't i don't understand (laughs) why this man is even here anyway uh, a couple a couple honorable mentions at wide receiver i just want to throw out here uh, Troy Franklin out of Oregon looks like he's starting to become Bo Nix's top wide receiver for the Oregon offense. Definitely something to keep an eye on because he is definitely having a resurgence season. So why not go pick his top target? And then the other one I've been noting, again, another matching guy going back to the Ohio Bobcats. Sam Wiggles, the top wide receiver for them right now. I, I, I am going to assume that's how you pronounce that last name. I hope so. I, I really hope. like it, it, It's either Wiggles or it is Wiggles, which either way I think is great. But like I'm going to go either, with Wiggles for right now. Either he Wiggles or he lacks the ability to wiggle. Whatever it is, that's a great name. I love that from a wide receiver. <laughs> I, 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 I Literally, I, I, I'm like, I saw that. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. He's gotten a lot of good targets the last couple of weeks. How do you pronounce that last name? And I kind of sounded it on my head. I'm like, oh my God, there's a there's a world where this man's name is literally Sam Wiggles. <laughs> That's enough of that. Sam, Let's, Sammy Wiggles, I love it. Sammy Wiggles. That's enough of that. Let's get on over to the tight ends here. We're going to talk about one guy that we've kind of mentioned before, but I feel like it's worth talking about him again because of his performance this past week. That is Mr. Jatavian Sanders, tight end out of Texas. Um... Monster week this past week, 22 fantasy points, uh, two touchdowns, one of which I believe was, was it, was it Xavier Worthy passed it to him or did he pass it to Xavier Worthy? Worthy passed to him. So again, he, he's finding multiple ways to score here. Uh, disappointing weeks in weeks two through three, but again, this is what you want out of your tight end option. A guy that could give you 20, point, 20 plus points any given week. Nate, what do you like about Jatavian Sanders? He's a freak show athlete. Uh, he plays in a good system, and it's a system. It's it's an offense right now that is that is really starving for a number two option to pair yeah. with Xavier Worthy. Um, we we thought we had that at the beginning of the season, but due to injury, we we did not. So I think in this West Virginia game, he kind of established himself as that guy. I mean, he is a he's a guy that's a legit deep threat. He's really dynamic with the ball in his hands. 
Um, yeah, I think the that is totally wheels up for him. And I, I think there's really strong potential that he ends up in kind of that tight end uh, five to 10 range at the end of the season. Yeah, let me look at my, what I've had so far. I haven't updated my stats for this week yet, but already through the season, he was looking at, I remember him starting off really, really well. Yeah, he had a great, uh, first week against UL Monroe. Okay, he, I mean, he's currently at tight end 34. I have to imagine that'll be higher up after the 20-point yeah. game that he had this week. No doubt. So, absolutely go pick him up. Again, the upside is there. That's all you want out of your tight end. On the opposite side of the spectrum, there are two things I love out of a tight end. Consistency, and then you throw in Maction as well. And that is what we got here in Mr. Tanner Koizel. The tight end out of Ball State, rostered on only 7% of rosters right now. Let me give you the stat lines from his last three games. Against Murray State, 10 targets, of which he did seven, six receptions, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Against Georgia Southern, 6 targets, 4 receptions, 41 yards, a touchdown. And then this past week against NIU, 11 targets, 7 receptions, 89 yards, and 2 touchdowns. That's the kind of what that's the kind of tight end you want to have on your roster where it feels like he is going to be a part of the game plan week to week. He has emerged, he is earning more and more targets every given week for his team. I really like Tanner Koizel moving forward for the Ball State Cardinals. What do you think about him, Nate? I agree with you. What's what's interesting is both these guys are freshmen. Um, that's really impressive. Uh, by the way, Jatavian Sanders right now in, in points per game is the tight end 15. Okay. Um, and uh, Koizel, if I'm pronouncing that right, looks like he is the tight end seven. Um, so we're talking about two top 15 tight ends right now that yep. uh, both have really low ownership percentages. And that includes in, in those rankings, that includes guys like Brant Keithy, who are out for the year. And yep. Luke, Mus Luke Musgrave, you know, guys like that that haven't played as much. Um, yeah, he's this again. This is a offense that is really, really throwing the ball around a lot. When you have that many pass attempts, there are going to be targets for receivers, and he has proven to be uh, one of the go-to uh, options there. And and he's really, really come on strong. I'm, I'm regretting missing him in some of my deeper dynasty leagues. So um, he's he's been really effective. So you you got to get guys that get tight ends that get 12 plus targets that type of potential there's just so few of them out there yeah hold on i'm, I'm looking at ball state real quick as well because I, I just want to check something real quick because like outside of like jay sean jackson like yeah they don't really like, they, I mean, they have yo hines they Tyler. have yo hines as well but still like yeah i don't i think it's only a matter i think it's a matter of if not when we see koizal kind of take over as one of those primary top two options because like Ty, tyler's fine Deshaun Jackson, I think, is the clear number one option here. But again, we mentioned their quarterback before, Paddock. He's throwing 40 right. plus times a game. So it sounds like there's enough volume for all three of them that they really want it. Yeah, so, he's thrown between 41 and 60 passing attempts or 41 and 58 passing attempts every game this season. So it doesn't really even matter if he is a, the second option. There's enough that that pie is big enough to where his slice is still going to be really nice. Yeah. All righty. Well, we burned through those running backs wide receivers and tight ends i was a little concerned when we were hour in and that we would this was going to end up being a two-hour podcast but nope we got through those we we hit them really well and that brings us pretty much to the end of our show really really appreciate you guys tuning in really glad that we're able to get back into this i am 
like 95% healthy. I got some lingering things still going on with me, but it was great to fully bring the energy this week. I felt like I was a little lackluster last week uh, for our preview show, but now I'm feeling much better. I am feeling like I can take on the world and ready to win some CFF leagues the rest of the season. We're almost halfway through the season. It was a rough week for me this week, but man, I'm ready to take it on for the rest of the rest of the season. Uh, Nate, uh, if you have anything you are working on, you want to tell the people about real quick before we get out of here? No, not right now. I've got a, I'm looking at maybe in the next week or two, putting out like a mid season report of guys that we can expect to see either a, a, uh, a regression or, you know, a, a positive regression in, in how the end of their season is going to look. So guys, maybe that we want to start looking to invest in or maybe look to sell off uh, just based off of uh, kind of mid season report. Yeah. I like that. That'll be great for people like me, where it seems like my entire team just refuses to score touchdowns, no matter how much volume <laughs> that they're getting. So I'll be very much looking forward to that article from you, Nate. And then for on my side of things, Again, you guys can always find me here on Chasing Natty. Check out our show on Wednesday if you haven't or, or if you haven't been doing that already. Check out our show on Wednesday with myself and Chris Moxley, and be on the lookout for the tweet where I send out and I ask you guys to submit sit start questions. We will go through the best ones at each position for you guys. It's a great show. We talk about some of the higher scoring games. It is always a great time, and then always, of course, make sure you check out the rest of the campus Canton stuff or staff. All of it on campusacanton.com. Really, really great week this past week. Or not for our teams, but just in general, I am, I'm enjoying college football. And we got still have a season ahead of us. So long way to go. Y'all keep tuning in. And I will see you guys next time. Really appreciate y'all. Have a wonderful day.